You're listening to the Brick by Brick podcast, where we take you from the ground up on real estate investing. Join us on our entrepreneurial voyage through the world of flipping houses, managing rental property, and building a real estate empire. Welcome back to the Brick by Brick podcast. I am John Arico here as always with Ryan Goldfarb. We have an extremely special episode today for multiple reasons. The first is that we are on location here in Atlantic City. The first time we have done the podcast uh, in Atlantic City. And the second much more important reason is that we have a very special guest, Matt Doherty. Uh, Matt is the former executive director of the CRDA. uh, And we are extremely honored to have him today on the podcast. Thank you, Matt, for coming. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, I want to get into a lot of different topics about Atlantic City, about your time at the CRDA, about your thoughts of the future of Atlantic City and all of that. But why don't we get started just off the bat with hearing how you got to where you are today, maybe a little bit about your educational background, professional background, et cetera, et cetera. And then we can dive into some specifics about Atlantic City and your experience. Uh, sure. And again, it's, it's great to be here with uh, both you here in Atlantic City, as you mentioned. Um, yeah, I'm a Jersey guy through and through, born and raised here. I uh, had the opportunity through a, a track scholarship to go to Georgetown. Um, and uh, this was back in the 90s. Um, and uh, Bill Clinton was president of the United States then. And, um, you know, if you were at Georgetown, then uh, politics played a, played a large role um, uh, in, in, in what kind of interests you had. Um, so uh, I... I Studied government and economics uh, during college. Uh, came back to New Jersey. Uh, there was nowhere else I wanted to live or move or or or, or come back uh, to other than this state. Uh, some people disparage New Jersey. I, I love it. I think it's a phenomenal place to live, uh, raise a family, and work. Uh, I feel blessed to be here. And um, you know, I started uh, working in the state legislature. I uh, slowly left there and went into banking, uh, mortgage banking, uh, working for um, outfits like Bank of New York. Uh, and then uh, I also um, went on to financial services. So I had my Series 7 and 66 life and health licenses uh, and worked for financial services uh, firms like Mass Mutual, um, uh, Investors Bank, uh, and then slowly transitioned um, into elected office. Um, I was a councilman in my town of Belmar uh, for several years before becoming mayor. Uh, I was elected mayor in 2010, um, so I served before, during, and and after uh, Sandy uh, devastated our town and the whole region, really. And uh, during my time in office, uh, one of the most important things to me was to keep taxes uh, stable. So uh, Belmar was the only town uh, out of 565 in the state of New Jersey during that eight-year period that I was mayor to have no tax increase. And we did that largely by growing our economic base through private economic investment, um, primarily mixed-use buildings, uh, first floor retail or commercial, second, third, fourth floor uh, residential. So it, um, you know, transitioning from that to the to the position of executive director for the New Jersey Casino Reinvestment Development Authority in Atlantic City was kind of a natural move for me. Um, Governor Murphy appointed me to this position back in 2018. Uh, and I was happy to serve until uh, until this year, until 2022. And um, you know, when I when I look at the the opportunities in Atlantic City, and and I'm I'm probably going to overuse the word opportunity because it overlaps with opportunity zones that happen to be here as well. Uh, so so pardon me for that. But the opportunity in Atlantic City is, I mean, you can't say limitless because there is a limit somewhere. But my goodness, mm-hmm. uh, when you look at New Jersey. And you look at the Jersey Shore in particular, um, you know, the three urban areas are Long Branch, Asbury Park, and Atlantic City. Mm -hmm. Long Branch and Asbury Park suffered for decades. Um, uh, And, you know, up till 20 years ago, um, both of them were in in difficult uh, financial situations. Today, I mean, the the, the amount of redevelopment in, in both those towns is extraordinary. And you can see that something like that is going to happen here in Atlantic City, too. Um, You know, for good or for bad, Atlantic City gambled on gaming uh, in the late 70s. Uh, It had a monopoly for decades. Yeah. Um, You know, but when you look at all the casinos that ever started in Atlantic City, there's only one today that still operates um, under the same name and and never went bankrupt, and that's Borgata. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But even during its lifetime, Borgata sold 50% of itself to MGM. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, between all the bankruptcies, the foreclosures, and the the buyouts of casinos over the years, you know, Atlantic City's seen itself kind of sitting in neutral. Yeah. Whereas Atlantic, uh, Asbury Park and Long Branch have sped ahead and done it in a, in a way that is, you know, a, a model that I think we need to see here in Atlantic City. Absolutely. I, I'm curious about your time in Belmar, uh, where you mentioned that you, you know, that the sort of your role was in encouraging this new development. What exactly did you do in government? Like how, because one of the things I'm always think about, Ryan and I talk about a lot is, you know, what is the role of government uh, in spurring kind of private investment? And I think that that's something that you know, we bring it back to Atlantic City, but that's something that Atlantic City has not done a great job of, um, perhaps with the exception of recently. What did you do when you were mayor to kind of make that happen? I mean, in a lot of ways, it was sort of just get out of the way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the private sector can come up with solutions to private sector, to public sector problems. Um, you know, whether it's it's blight or again, you know, a, a, a tax base that is too heavily uh, burdensome to residential, um, you know, if you want to relieve that, you have to grow your commercial tax base. And, and that's what we put an emphasis on. And we did it without money. So there's no CRDA in Belmar. There's no right. CRDA in Asbury Park or Long Branch. Um, but there's ways you can work uh, through zoning. Uh, there's ways you can work with tax abatements. Mm -hmm. to encourage and, uh, you know, I hate to say the word permit, but to incentivize um, that type of, of, of private sector development because there's always a risk to that. It's uh, someone is risking their money on a project, yeah. whether it's their own or someone else's or the bank's. Um, and again, in a place like Belmar, we had no money to put into projects. Yeah. All we could do was be as supportive as, as possible and encourage that and, and welcome it. Um, so I think that's what made it uh, a big difference versus the 30 years before me, where it was a little bit more government control. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I, I think my, my take on it was to, to relax as much of the regulations as possible to help encourage economic development. Mm -hmm. Is there anything based on your either your exposure to Belmar or your familiarity with the, some of the places you mentioned, like Long Branch and Asbury Park? Is there anything that, or I guess what things would you take and apply to Atlantic City that you think can make a difference both in the short run and long run? I think I think the the one significant takeaway, and um, you know, it's not what people want to hear, is that you know redevelopment is block by block it's 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 world war one trench warfare mm -hmm. it is not going to happen overnight you know no one's going to come in and save atlantic city with a 20 billion dollar development right um it, it's going to take you know a, a variety of diverse um interests uh whether they're they're individual or corporate to to purchase properties to repurpose them and and develop them and in, you know if you look at the housing in atlantic city and and some of the housing some of the best housing in atlantic city was built by crda mm -hmm. back in the in the late 90s then crda got away from that i don't know why got away from it and you know the housing stock in atlantic city is is terrible to be very honest with you uh, but again it used it's to one be of the bad biggest problems in atlantic right? city. Yeah. it used to be bad in long branch it used to be bad in asbury park yeah. so there, there, there's already places where you saw it was bad, and now it's turned around, and it's, it's, it's improved um, the community, improved all the lives of the residents that live there. I mean, we have some census tracts in Atlantic City that exceed 60% of the poverty level. Over 60%. That is remarkable. Yeah. Um, but if we're able to bring good housing into the town... Not only do you lift up the people that live here, but you also start attracting those middle-class families that left. So Atlantic City's population is maybe it's less than 40,000 at this point. To support just itself, it really needs to be closer to 60 to 65,000. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all the tourists you hear about that come in and go to the beautiful casinos, that's, that's wonderful for the casinos and it's good for the tax revenue for the state. 
um, that collects that tax revenue. But for the city of Atlantic City and its residents, it's you know it doesn't have as positive impact as block by block, lot by lot reconstruction. Um, and you know when you look at the advantages of Atlantic City through decades over a century you know, the proximity of it to the water, it's, it's unparalleled. When you were appointed to the CRD, I don't know, you know, what the internal politics might have been, but were you given like a mandate from the governor to say, Hey, do this. Or did you think yourself like, this is what I want to accomplish. Or this is what I need to get done. I, I, I wasn't given a direct mandate. Um, I mean, the mandate from the, the governor's office was we need to improve Atlantic city. Uh-huh. Uh, how we went about that. You know, I met with the, the mayor, uh, at the time, it was Mayor Gilliam, then became Mayor Small. I always made sure anything I was doing, the mayor uh, was in the loop on. Mm-hmm. Because being a mayor of, of my town, you know, that's the person you go to first. Um, and, you know, I, I work for a state authority. We're independent of the city, but it was important to have a good, strong, healthy re- working relationship. And then with those ideas, I would go back to the governor's office and say, listen, I think we need to uh, put together a program for neighborhood coordination officers. And, you know, this is a group of officers who don't answer 911 calls. They literally walk a beat and they primarily do it in, in, in small business areas. Um, you know, things like that, you know, I thought were worthwhile investments to CRDA. The other one I thought that was a worthwhile investment is um, purchasing blight, mm-hmm. primarily rooming houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did this in conjunction with the police department. And my pitch to the governor's office and the CRDA board was, look, these are pieces of uh, Atlantic City that are hurdles to a more private sector economic development. Yeah. And they're, they're, whether it's good or bad policies from the past, you know, there's over 65 at the time, 65 rooming houses, most of them operating inappropriately with either uh, either without a certificate of land use compliance or some other regulatory issues um you know when when we work with the police department and also folks like volunteers america you know you notice that some of these rooming houses are used for um illegal activity yeah primarily two activities narcotics and prostitution right and you know there's no private sector solution to that type of blight so that's where I thought, well, the public sector should come in with our dollars and purchase it. And I was able to pitch that successfully to governor's office and, and, the, uh, and the CRDA board. And we bought up more rooming houses during my tenure as director than I think ever before. Yeah, I, I think it's a great point. And it's one that's maybe not well understood by people that don't know Atlantic City. But, you know, in Atlantic City, I think when you say rooming houses, you think, you know, these must be crack houses or whatever you know these must be like horrible places and to some extent they are but the flip side of it is that they actually make a lot of money so the issue is that and you know ryan and i know this firsthand from buying these rooming houses in fact we bought rooming houses from the cda um, that the reason why the private sector can't do anything is that the revenue coming in for these rooming houses is such that the sellers are pricing them at this insane number because they're saying look i make eighty thousand dollars a year i make one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year obviously by doing things that I don't think most people would ever be willing to do, but you know, they, they make a ton of money. And so like if I were to go buy a rooming house and they're making hundred thousand dollars a year, they might price it at 500 K, 600 K, 700 K, you know, whatever it is, we're never going to pay that. It just doesn't make any sense. But again, as you said, with the CRDA not being constrained by, you know, the economics of, of the transaction, you're able to do that. Right. So that was hugely great for us. Is there anything between 2018 when you first came into came into your role with the CRDA and a few months ago when you left is there anything that your experience changed your perspective on um you know I, I knew I knew redevelopment was going to be difficult uh, I, I knew that it was it was again going to be block by lock and lot by lot and and trench warfare and you measure success in in yards not miles. Um, but the one thing that, that may have changed my perspective, um, uh, on Atlantic city was just the, 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 the opportunity here. I, I didn't know prior to coming here that there are acres and acres of vacant oceanfront land. Yeah. We're in, steps, the, we're yeah, in the middle steps from where we are <laughs> we're right here. I mean, it, it, it makes no sense in Atlantic city. 
the property closest to the ocean is valued less than property away from the ocean. Right. You don't have that in any other town up and down the Jersey Shore. Uh, it, it's upside down. It, it's it's there's the equilibrium is off. Um, I think that's gonna ha- that's gonna occur for a while, but at some point it's gonna write itself, and right. I think it writes itself over the next twenty years. And and that's the other thing I would say about the housing market and and real estate. It's taken decades to get as bad as it is in Atlantic City. Yeah. It's going to take decades to get out of it. Right. Um, but there is a clear way out. Uh, and having that opportunity, again, I hate to overuse that, <laughs> in four contiguous opportunity zones along the water, uh, you know, there, there's there's nothing like that anywhere in this state. I, I, I'd wonder if there's anything like that in this entire country. Well, I, I, I was thinking just about the CRDA in general. And so I think maybe some listeners of the podcast are not familiar with what the CRDA is, but the CRDA is a pretty unique organization. I can't think of any other, certainly not in New Jersey, maybe not in anywhere in the country where there is something like the CRDA, which essentially operates by taking revenue made by casinos as a tax and then reinvesting it in a specific area. I mean, I guess maybe originally the mandate was the whole state, but now functionally Atlantic City. And then also has zoning authority over a broad swath of a city, in this case, the tourism district. It's this, it's a very, um, you know, it's for us as an investor coming in, we looked at it and we thought, oh, you know, Atlantic City, you know, the, the government is kind of, you know, corrupt or whatever, you know, historically, you know, there's been some issues with the government. Um, and that kind of makes it unattractive to an investor. But if we're looking at the tourism district, which is controlled by the CRDA, the state of New Jersey, it's like, well, the state, you know, I mean, maybe it's bureaucratic, maybe it's a little bit slow, but it's probably not corrupt, you know, certainly not corrupt in the way that, you know, you might stereotypically think a city like Atlantic City could have been. So that was a huge draw to us because it's like, well, you have this state authority that's responsible for zoning, that has money, that can improve, you know, actually invest in the area. Um, it's, an, it's a really, I can't think of any other city in the U.S. that has something like that. You're absolutely right. The Casino Reinvestment Development Authority in in New Jersey uh, was founded in 1984. Uh, It was founded because casinos, when they originally came to Atlantic City, were supposed to invest in the town, and they didn't. Right. They just didn't. Um, So there was a 1.25% tax leveled on the gross gaming revenue. Uh, This is on top of the 8% that they have to pay to the state. Uh, And, uh, you know, for years, that money went all around the, the state of New Jersey. Right. And look, you know, there's a lot of Yankee fans out there, right? And there's a beautiful Yogi Berra Museum uh, in Montclair. Uh, you know, there are CRDA funds into that museum. Uh-huh. I mean, it was a policy decision back in the day, but, yeah. you know, this place doesn't have a decent grocery store. You know, there's um, tens of millions of dollars that, that were put into places like Newark. Mm-hmm. Now, Newark needed it, and, 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 and God bless them for getting it, but you know, right around Atlantic City. Could have used that money for other projects here, for housing projects. So, you know, uh, during my focus, every dime we spent, we spent in Atlantic City with the motivation of how does this directly benefit the residents of Atlantic City? Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, whether that's rooming houses, more police on the street, um, uh, additional folks in the Special Improvement District Division to clean up the streets, uh, it was all of the focus was here in Atlantic City to improve it, to make the ground more fertile for private economic development yeah. to come in and risk their capital. Uh, two two thoughts on that. One is, how do you see, I know we, you just mentioned that Atlantic City, you know, it took a long time for Atlantic City to get to where it is. Why did that happen? And do, do you have a perspective on like how that occurred? Is it financial mismanagement? Is it the casinos? Is it... You know, because it, it, it's a question that a lot of people will ask us as investors about Atlantic City is, well, you know, Atlantic City is the way that it is for all these different reasons. And why is it going to change? Right. Because, you know, you have decades and decades and decades of fill in the blank and now you're here. Do you have a thought on like how that how that has happened or, you know, how, how Atlantic City got into the position it is? Uh, you know, historically, Atlantic City was a place where people came and took what they could and walked away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the casinos came, um, you know, they kind of followed suit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was a time when some gentleman named Donald Trump owned about four properties, yeah. half the casinos in the entire city. Uh, they all went bankrupt. He took all of his money and left. His corporations did as well. Um, there were bad public policy decisions by local and state officials. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you mentioned before, you know, there were a few, um, you know, elected officials locally who ended up serving time in prison yeah. for things they shouldn't have done. 
Um, I think you a, know. Good, a good number, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> and, and unfortunately, the people that suffer are the residents that live here, that stuck here, that stayed here, that didn't leave. But if you look at other urban areas in New Jersey, Jersey City, uh, Hoboken, as I mentioned before, Long Branch, Asbury Park, they all had the same issues after the 60s and 70s of people leaving to go to suburban areas. Right. Well, people are coming back. Right. Uh, real estate in Jersey City is off the charts. It's basically the sixth borough at this point. Mm-hmm. Hoboken is far too expensive. It's only one square mile. Uh, I mentioned Asbury and Long Branch are doing great. There's no reason why that shouldn't be happening here in Atlantic City. Um, you know, but the focus had been, you know, casinos are going to save Atlantic City. That didn't happen. Right. That didn't happen. That was an abject failure. What's going to save Atlantic City is people coming with private economic development to uh, in, uh, expand the commercial tax base, improve the city, bring more people back to the city. People want to live in cities. Mm-hmm. They do. And if you can give them good housing stock, good amenities, they will come. And if they can come here and live by the Atlantic Ocean, I, I mean, I, it's it's a huge competitive advantage Atlantic City has. We, we've touched on the the supply of housing here as a as an issue and i think that that's worth underscoring because i mean when you, when you talk about i'll use the word again the opportunity here i mean some of the some of the places we've bought more than one property on a beach block for under a hundred thousand dollars granted it needs work but i mean there's no other place in in certainly on the jersey shore arguably in the state that has this much inventory in close proximity to a, a major body of water with existing public infrastructure um, and with a little bit of cachet to it where you can where you can come even close to those kinds of numbers. And one frustration for us is that if you look at the numbers on some of these deals going in, there still in many cases aren't comps to support the amount of money it takes to renovate some of these properties. And we've been able to still make it work because the yields provided by short-term rentals are enough to justify the added investment. And our hope is that by putting these dollars into these properties now and generating this yield over the next 5, 10, 15 years by way of short-term rentals, that when the time does come to sell, the amount that we've spent on these properties to improve the housing stock has a cascading effect on some of the neighborhoods and values then are are thus elevated and you know kind of allow us to retroactively justify what we spent to put into these properties but i i think to to kind of tie it into the rooming house discussion as well um we kind of see those two forces working hand in hand because if you if you bite that bullet now and take some of this blight out of some of these areas you come in and clean things up enough to the extent that people like us can go in and do these projects and are incentivized to put money into these dilapidated buildings, then you kind of, you create this wave where more and more people want to do that. And, you know, it takes, it takes people who are frankly crazy enough to be the first in order to be the first domino to fall and to ultimately pave the way for more people to do it in the future. And I mean, uh, you know, you've seen, you've seen several of our projects now. I think you've been in the trenches enough to kind of, to kind of witness firsthand, like you have for the last few years, how much this really is block by block, lot by lot, base hit by base hit. It's not about just the the big sexy project that's going to get all the headlines. I wonder, this is a question, Matt, that we get all the time, and, and I wonder how you would answer it. Why do you think that now is the time for Atlantic City? Like, why not five years from now or five years ago or whatever? You know, what is it about happening right now that makes it like, yeah, I have to invest in Atlantic City. This is now happening. Uh, you know, I, and I, I, I use uh, Asbury Park as an example. So one of the folks who's done very well in Asbury Park is a gentleman named Pat Fasano. Uh, he originally started doing development in New Brunswick. He did well there. New Brunswick used to be uh, a dump. It was horrible. He did really well there. Uh, organizations like uh, Devco in New Brunswick, headed by Chris Palladino, have done phenomenal work um, leveraging off of Rutgers, Johnson & Johnson, um, you know, St. Peter's, uh, the other hospital networks there. Um, and he took his money and he 
brought it to Atlantic City or brought it to Asbury Park about 20 years ago when things were cheap in Asbury Park. Mm -hmm. Now he's selling out of Asbury Park and coming to Atlantic City because things are cheap now. Yeah. It's not always going to be like that. You know, maybe there's a five, 10 year window and then prices are going to catch up to reality. Uh, I mean, the housing prices, the real estate prices in Atlantic City haven't really recovered since 2008, if you look at it. The rest of the state has. Right. I mean, interest rates are going up now. We, we, we all see that. The Fed's going to tighten up. Ten-year treasury is going to go up. Um, but, you know, housing prices have been, you know, phenomenal double-digit growth everywhere. Um, but, you know, when something's $100,000 and it grows 10%, it, it's still affordable. Um, so this is the last bastion. And when something's the last of its kind, if you don't get in now, you are going to miss out. And yeah. five, if you wait five years, you wait 10 years, it's no longer going to be inexpensive. It's no and, longer going to be easy to yeah. develop. Um, you know, at some point, you know, right now the city government, the state government is encouraging development. It wants people to come here now, five, 10, 15 years from now. You know, maybe that changes. Maybe they're like, well, we don't want to overdevelop Atlantic City. Yeah. Right now, there's no, there's no one talks about overdeveloping yeah. Atlantic City. They talk about overdeveloping Jersey City. They talk about overdeveloping Long Bridge, oh, yeah. overdeveloping Asbury. No one's talking about overdeveloping here. Well, yeah. So now's the time to take advantage of it. Um, you know, when does that window close? I don't know exactly, but the window is open now. Yeah. And that's why I would encourage folks well, we, to follow suit. We, we were actually just talking, I don't know if we we're talking about Zoom, Matt, but like, you know, we were we were on this, uh, this year they did an RFP for these properties and uh, rooming houses, part of the program that you were just mentioning. And we were, you know, responding and there was people talking kind of against us. And I was just, you know, thinking, I was like, you know, I could understand people being opposed to development in a whole host of places in America or in New Jersey. But if you're opposed to development in Atlantic City, like, my God, like, you know, that's... <laughs> you're just opposed to development. You're just opposed to <laughs> development i mean like you know there's there's really i mean i understand arguments gentrification i understand all of that but atlantic city you know i mean my gosh there is so much opportunity there's so much vacant property land whatever to be opposed to that being developed it's like my gosh and (laughs) and despite that despite despite the prevalence of opportunity here i think to underscore matt's point about why now despite all of what's out there today at the end of the day we are on an island and there is just innate scarcity to what it is that yeah. that we're working with here. So at a certain point in time when it when it blows up when things when things improve, they're really going it's going to be felt drastically because there's just there's not any more land that you can start building on. Yeah, I mean I, I think it's an there's there's an amazing confluence of things happening now that make Atlantic City ready to kind of you know, change in a significant way. And one of them, unfortunately, that I always use was you at the CRDA. <laughs> and now you're not at the CRDA, so we can't use that as an argument anymore. But I think that, you know, f- for me, it's there's, as you said, Matt, there's public involvement, right? There's the state of New Jersey is, I think, very invested, you know, literally and also uh, conceptually in Atlantic City's revival. There's local politics that I think right now are in a great state for Atlantic City's revival. There's federal politics. We have the Opportunity Zone in Atlantic City, which is a relatively new thing, um, which I think has been a big boon to investment. And then there's also, as again, as you mentioned, Matt, individual people like Pat Fazana going in, investing his own money, people like us investing our own money and investor money, a whole host of other people that are part of this community investing their own money in Atlantic City. So it's, you know, the, the argument is like, well, why would I invest in Atlantic City now as opposed to five years ago? Like, well, five years ago, we didn't have any of that. You know, we didn't have, maybe we had the very beginnings of the Opportunity Zone. You weren't at the CRDA, for example. You know, we didn't have Pat Fasano coming in at the time. Um, we didn't have a bunch, we didn't have local politics necessarily as in favor of, of what's going on right now. I mean, frankly, we didn't have the short-term rental marketplace as developed as it is right now, which as Ryan mentioned, has been a huge, um, I was almost gonna say the word excuse. (laughs) It's not exactly what I mean, but a a huge rationale for improving these properties because, you know, the economics, we're sitting in one of our our short-term rentals right now, the economics of us to make this home as nice as we think it is and then rent it to a long-term rental or not there, or even to sell it to an end buyer or not there. But the economics for us to renovate it as we did and then rent it out as a short-term rental are absolutely there. And my hope is that in five years, 10 years, whatever, 
the economics for an end user to come in to buy it will be there. And all of a sudden we have this great product that didn't exist before. So, you know, to kind of solve the problem of like, well, we don't have any housing. Well, having the economics to do something like this right now creates the housing. And once you have the supply, it's, you know, I, I don't I don't think it's a demand issue, right? I don't think people are saying, oh, I don't want to live on the Jersey Shore. I think it's more, you know, there's nowhere to live in Atlantic City. Uh, right. And I also, the, 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 the way casinos distort the market as well for short-term rentals is beneficial. So there's over 18,000 hotel rooms in Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. With there's, there's less, less than 40,000 people live here. Yeah. Over 18,000. And uh, Ocean Resort is adding more hotel rooms. Yeah. Because they have to. Because yeah. they're at capacity. And the other issue that they run into that, again, it's because of gaming that other cities don't have is on the weekends... You know, um, they don't want Matt Doherty staying in their hotel rooms. They want someone who's going to gamble twenty five, fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So they're going to comp that person a room. Yeah. Now, if I'm dumb enough to pay seven hundred dollars for a Saturday night, yeah, they'll give me the room for that. Um, what that does is it opens up the uh, opportunity <laughs> for short term rentals here. Short term rentals do great in my town of Belmar. You know, the rest of the Jersey Shore. But not like here. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the price to get in to develop a short-term rental, uh, right now anyway, it's lower here than it is in other towns at the Jersey Shore. You know, if you're going to buy a place in Ventnor, Beach Block, it's going to be expensive. Right. right. Whereas you could buy a place in on Florida Avenue, Beach Block in Atlantic City, and it's not that expensive. Yeah. Um, again, that's only a now situation. It's going to evolve over time, and and the market is going to catch up to to what well, we've the real values that. are. We've already seen that, yeah. Um, but but yeah, I, I think and and look, short term rentals are, are fantastic. They're not going to go away anytime soon. And then as more people get exposed to Atlantic City, and you know, um, when I was leaving CRDA, we we broke ground for a new uh, shop right here. You know, bringing a grocery store and bringing amenities so that people when they do come are willing to pay enough for an apartment co- uh, apartment uh, one bedroom or two bedroom so that these buildings can be converted and you can increase the housing stock mm-hmm. um, uh, you know to, to improve the lives of the residents that live here and also to attract folks young people uh, uh, to come to to Atlantic City like they do already in places like Long Branch and Asbury mm-hmm. looking back at your time at the CRDA are there things that stand out to you as saying these are things I'm really proud that we accomplished and converse are the things that you say, I wish I could have done this while I was there. Uh, you know, I think putting more police on the street makes a huge difference. Um, uh, I think purchasing the rooming houses, which have never really been done in that type of uh, program before, um, made a huge difference. Um, yeah, I, I wish the grocery store was already open. Mm-hmm. There's one regret I have. We would have done it the first year and it'd be open by now. Because, you know, if you come for a weekend or, you know, you come for a couple of days, you don't need to go grocery shopping. But if you live here year round, um, you know, I remember talking to a, to a single mom. She had four children. She would take the bus out to the Sam's Club in Egg Harbor Township, do her grocery shop, and then she would take a cab back. I thought that's a problem that we have to solve. That's yeah. not right. Um, you know, I, I wish that problem was already solved for her and the other single moms and other families that, you know, make Atlanta city their home and have lived here for decades. You know, I think Ryan before mentioned gentrification. The other nice aspect of Atlantic city is because there's so many acres of vacant land, you can have good positive economic development without gentrification, without mm-hmm. pushing people out of any neighborhoods, right. you know, instead of pushing them out of a neighborhood, you, you know, uh, to use a phrase from president Kennedy, you, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. Mm-hmm. We can have a rising tide here in Atlantic city, lift all, all, all families up. Yeah. I, I, that's the philosophy that I think Ryan and I apply to all of our real estate investing in Atlantic city, which is that we encourage through this podcast and, you know, even in conversations like everyone to come invest in Atlantic city. And sometimes people be like, well, aren't we going to be competing with you? Like, aren't we going to be buying the same stuff, this and that? And I said to them exactly what you said, a rising tide lifts all ships, right? 
if you know if I want to buy someplace, you want to buy someplace, like you know, happy to talk about it. But the reality is that you know, if you buy the place next to me or behind me or whatever, and you improve your place, that's going to improve my place. And if we both do that, it's going to improve the whole block. And if the whole block improves, it's going to improve the whole neighborhood. So I think it's um, I think that the tangible effects of that have already been seen in places like the Orange Loop, where someone came in, in this case, Mark Colazzo, you know, came in on Tennessee Avenue, did his thing there, made a desirable place to go. He himself bought more stuff there. Other investors came in, Evan and Zenith, for example, we've talked about in the show before, came in and, and bought next to his place, essentially, did their thing there. Pat Fasano came in, across the street, did his thing there. Um, other investors have come in on Ocean Avenue. We're in Ocean Avenue, which is right behind Tennessee Avenue. I've done their thing there. So it's it, you, can, you can trace back. I've done this, and it's very fun to go to like Google Street View, right, of Tennessee Avenue from six years ago. And you look at it, and you're like, like this is crazy. Like, you know, this is like nothing here. It looks exactly like... What Westminster Avenue? I mean, it looks like streets today in Atlantic City, where there's you know just random assortment of places, and then you think like, wow, it really took a lot of vision for someone to come in and say like, this is the street, this is where I'm going to change it. But you saw you know one after another. To your point, it wasn't someone coming in and saying I'm going to bulldoze the whole street and build something new. It was one after another happened, and now we have you know just I can count on one hand I think three huge projects happening in the orange loop each of which are well over a million dollars in investment um that are like shovels on you know about to be shovels in the ground or in some cases are already under construction it's unbelievable it's fantastic and despite the name recognition of atlantic city at the end of the day as you said it's it's not such a huge city so these types of projects really do make an impact and you can try you can you can trace that impact project by project and it's small enough that you can kind of understand the inner workings of the city well enough to see how one project impacts the next project and the next project and the next project. This is maybe an odd question, Matt, but I wonder what how you'd answer from your perspective. What do the casinos kind of think of Atlantic City? Like, are they, um, are, are they in support of what you were doing at the CRDA? Are they in support of what the city is doing? Are they completely agnostic? Because uh, I know that there are some, we know some you know, people that run casinos and some, some are great. Uh, we don't know the ones that aren't great, I guess, but <laughs> you know, are they, what is their perspective? Are, are, are they pro Atlantic city? Uh, I, you know, I think it varies. I, I think all of them publicly will tell you, of course they're pro Atlantic city. Um, but you know, when you look at someone like hard rock with, with Joe Gingoli and Jack Morris investing, you know, not only their own uh, money, but also their businesses money in Atlantic city and, and working with nonprofits, uh, working with the boys and girls club, you know, um, you know, those guys have, have gone above and beyond, but, you know, ultimately, you know, these guys have quarterly earnings they have to hit mm-hmm. and they all know that there's going to be one or if not two casinos opening in, uh, in, in the Manhattan area. Right. Um, North Jersey casinos, uh, failed at the ballot, uh, a couple of years ago. So, you know, if one opens in Queens, I mean, imagine if one opened in Manhattan, when you look at where the money comes from for Atlantic City, it's primarily the five boroughs, uh, Bergen County, maybe some Westchester County. Now, do people come from all over the world to Atlantic City, all over the country? You know, you know, Philadelphia is a, a great market, mm-hmm. but there's nothing like New York. Mm-hmm. It's just nothing like New York. So, you know, is that going to suck away business? Absolutely. Um, you know, so they're worried more about that. Um, you know, they're worried about the perception, particularly crime and cleanliness. I mean, you'll hear the buzzwords, you know, you know, clean and safe, clean and safe, clean and safe. Okay. Well, you know, you can keep saying that until the, you know, the cows come home, but development makes things more attractive. Development pushes out problems. Mm -hmm. And again, you look at places like Jersey city, I mentioned before, New Brunswick is a great example. Perth Amboy, um, you know, they had the same, if not worse, issues than Atlantic City has uh, today. And they were able to do it through private economic development, mm-hmm. um, what you guys are doing. And if if I was on the outside looking in, I would say, all right, so John and Ryan are, 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 are performing in this manner. They're successful. I want to follow their success. Mm-hmm. Right. And I hate to say it, but what you guys do isn't all that difficult it's Mm. pretty straightforward it's it's buying at x putting in y and here's and here's how you manage it afterwards Mm -hmm. right it's not all that complicated of a formula and you've already shown that it's successful so 
you know, if I'm on the outside looking in, I'm going to be like, all right, well, these guys took the risk. Pat took the risk. Evan and Zena took the risk. Mark Colazzo took the risk. They didn't get bit. I'm going to come follow them. Maybe it's a little more expensive for me now, but that's fair because you guys took the risk and I'm a little insured from that. Um, but I want to come into Atlantic City and I want to follow your success and be successful. And as you mentioned, my success helps you as well. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned a little bit about the uh, the feeders to Atlantic City and specifically Atlantic City tourism. I'm curious, have you s- seen any discussion or are you do you have any thoughts on the kind of transportation issues? Um, I think I'm speaking mostly to New York centric tourism. But I, I know, you know, just from having friends who live in the city and who have families with places in Atlantic City or Ventnor or Margate, there are, there have been a lot of times where they've wanted to come down for a weekend, and the idea of a four-hour journey on a Friday night to spend, you know, one night here and then, or one day here in a full day Saturday, and then to go through the same thing to go back home on Sunday. Um, kind of just as a non-starter for them. I'm curious if you guys, if, if you've got any thoughts on that and how to address it, um, whether through reinstating different train lines or, or different types of bus service or, you know, anything of the sort. Yeah. I mean, and the idea has been kicked around of, you know, a, a you know, high speed train coming right down the parkway. Um, you know, if that happens, I don't imagine it's going to happen in our lifetime, to be honest with you. Um, as great you as know, that would be to I, take, imagine. Yeah, to take mass transit. I mean, maybe you could take a bus, um, it's not great. It, it's simply not. Um, but when you look at, and I use it again as an example, if you look at Asbury Park and how successful they are, they're about an hour north of us. So, so it's really not, it, it, it's about what you have here, right? If we have Beyonce playing on the beach, People will make whatever trip they have to to get here. I'm imagining you at a Beyonce concert. So, right now. so <laughs> <laughs> we had Snoop, Snoop Dogg possibly this year. So we can yeah. do right. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, if if you have what people demand, they will trip over themselves to come here. Um, you know, when Fish played last year, right? We saw a huge spike in the demand for everything, whether it was rooms, food. You know, talking to small business owners, it was the best weekend they had. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what is it that people demand and, and, and how do you keep it on a continuing basis? You're at the Jersey Shore, so you know it's, it's going to be seasonal. So basically you got about 13 weekends to work with. Out of that, it's going to rain maybe a quarter, hopefully less, but maybe a quarter of those. So really you got about nine weekends to, to really make money. But with the amount of people that live within a one, you know, uh, within a car drive of Atlantic City, I mean, it's you have about a quarter of the entire United States population. Right. Um, we, we live in a very densely packed area. So uh, transportation is always going to be a challenge. It is. Uh, and look, there's a rail line between Philadelphia and Atlantic City. No one takes it. No one takes it. We've done studies. How do you improve it? How do you market it? No one takes it. People drive. For good or for bad, the gas price can be $5 a gallon. Uh, people that are driving yeah. uh, we'll, we'll pay for it uh, through inflationary issues you know whether that's you know food or, or other types of consumer goods um, but but people will drive so the question is what is it in Atlantic City that'll that'll make it worth that person's trip to come here they they go to Long Branch now they go to Asbury Park how do you get them to come another hour yeah I, I, that's kind of my thesis for investing anywhere in the New York City area has been you have such a large percentage of the U.S. population that live within, you know, whatever, whatever metric you want to say, cars, car right away from anything that, you know, if you're, you know, people sometimes say, oh, you know, don't you want to invest in whatever, the Midwest, don't you want to invest in here, don't you want to invest in there? And I think, well, you know, maybe there's money to be made there, but the advantage of investing in the Northeast corridor is that, like, people aren't going anywhere. I mean, even if you say, like, oh, okay, the population, maybe some people are moving west, some people are moving south, there's still an, a massive amount of people live in the New York City area. So it's like, what's your downside, really? You know, it's like, well, maybe prices are blip up, blip down, whatever, but like kind of long term, you're not going to be doing poorly in the New York City, in the greater, you know, Northeast Corridor area. Whereas I can imagine an investment in wherever, if that investment is driven by one industry or one school or whatever, if something happens to that one thing, the downside is unlimited. I mean, it could be zero. Who, who wants to live in, 
you know, rural Ohio, if not for the fact that there's whatever there. I mean, nothing against Ohio, but again, you know, but who wants to live in New York City if, you know, say a major employer in New York City leaves? Well, a lot of people still want to live in New York City, right? To, so. to, to underscore that point, for some reason the other day, because this is what I do in my spare time, I was looking at, I think it was a top 20 list of most densely populated zip codes in the United States. Mm-hmm. And I think 18 of the 20 were in one of the five boroughs, which I think just underscores how much more densely populated this area is than the rest of the country. Um, shifting gears a little bit, I did want, I wanted to circle back to what you listed as kind of a regret of your time at CRDA, which was not getting the, the shop right online sooner. Um, it is coming, which is still very exciting. In that vein, is there anything else that comes to mind as something that is missing as a kind of a neighbor, neighborhood amenity or an attraction um, that you think Atlantic City would benefit from? Well, I think diversifying the uh, the you know the options uh, for people who come here. You know, Bart Blatstein, as as you know, you may have already talked about, is adding an indoor water park. Mm-hmm. Great idea. Um, you know, Bart is a guy uh, who's really putting his money up um, to, to make significant investments here in Atlantic City. Um, a stone's throw away from here is going to be a brand new miniature golf course uh, opening, um, you know, and, and we were able to approve that when I was at CRDA. Um, so I, I think the, the smaller projects, um, you know, here and there. Um, the other one that, that long-term is going to be a great benefit that, that other cities don't have is uh, Stockton University. Um, you know, Stockton University's campus here in Atlantic City is booming. They have a waiting list. I mean, you got to get in a lottery and get lucky to be able, you have to get in a lottery and get lucky to live in Atlantic City if you're a Stockton University student. Mm-hmm. Think about that for a second. Um, they're expanding, and, and uh, my, my guess is after they open up the 400 and something uh, beds, they're, they're going to be full, they're going to have a lottery system again. Um, you know, talking with Stockton, I know that they're looking to bring their business school to Atlantic City. Hmm. Uh, Atlantic Care is expanding. Yeah. So, you know, when you look at redevelopment based off of things like Eds and Meds, it, it is proven to work. Based I like off that I've of, never heard that before. Based off of <laughs> gaming, it's not proven to work. Yeah, less of a blueprint. Right. So, you know, the Eds and Meds, whether you see it in, in places like, you know, Teacher's Village in Newark, um, everything that's happened in New Brunswick, um, the positive stuff that's happening in Camden, um, you know, around Cooper Hospital, um, you know, that, that is a proven effective model that's not hard to replicate. Uh, and we have a willing partner like Stock University and, and Harvey Kessel, who's the president, is doing a great job and wants to see, uh, you know, uh, wants to see Stock University su- succeed in Atlantic City. And then you start exposing Atlantic City to folks who are in their, you know, college years. And, and you get them wanting to live here. So now you got more people with bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, wanting to live in Atlantic City. Right now, where would they live? Mm-hmm. The housing stock is terrible. What, you know, you guys are doing and other developers is improving that housing stock and providing a supply to meet that demand. Do you think there's any appetite from the casinos, given that the casinos are here and obviously generate a lot of money, is there any appetite for from the casinos to say, we're going to create our own, you know, pool of money to do whatever, do development, clean up the city? Because I, I see these articles, I mean, you mentioned them, where the casinos say publicly, like, oh, we need to clean up Atlantic City, we need to do this, we need to do that. Do they think like, oh, well, I'm a casino, I pay my tax to the CRDA and that's it? Or is there any appetite for them to kind of actually be involved in the way that some of these other players, I think, are being involved in the development of Atlantic City for a casino to say, I'm going to, you know, really invest in cleaning up the city or in non-casino development or something like that? Yeah, I, and there's there's folks like Joe Gingoli who, you know, not only invest in the city, but invest in the people and will hire folks who graduate recovery court mm-hmm. or hire folks that have, you know, some, 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 issues in their past. Uh, and he's even lobbied the, you know, the, the state to amend who they're able to hire, you know, because it's, it's a very restrictive process in a casino who you hire um, so that they, they can hire folks, again, in Atlantic City residents that may have had an issue in the past with, uh, with the, the justice system, um, but now are fully capable of, of, of working somewhere and, and working for a good paying union job in a, in a casino. 
But I would tell you, you know, if if casinos did what they were supposed to do in Atlantic City, CRDA never would have existed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, casinos don't pay any property taxes. I mean, think about that for a second. If the three of us opened a bagel store, we'd pay more property taxes <laughs> than all the casinos combined. Yeah. Uh, again, it's hard to try to redevelop a ta- redevelop a town when so much of its focus doesn't even pay taxes to the town. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think casinos, again, they, they, they are businesses. They have a business model. Uh, I don't fault them for it. Um, but certainly uh, casinos are not going to save Atlantic City. They haven't and they won't in the future. As we're, we're wrapping up here, Matt, what is next for you, you know, individually going forward? Now, you've, you've left the CRDA just recently, sort of a, a free agent, if you will. <laughs> Do you have a, a plan of what, what's next for your path? Well, you know, I've been in uh, elected or, or appointed office since 2007. Um, I enjoyed it. Again, I, my background was in government economics. Uh, I love finance, um, you know, and I just think that there's tremendous <laughs> opportunity in Atlantic City. Uh, you know, I, I, I live in Belmar, so I get to get in my car at the shore, drive down the parkway and get out of my car and work at the shore. Um, so my, my goal over the next couple of years is to, um, you know, put my money where my mouth is and make strategic investments in the tourism district here in Atlantic City, uh, partner with folks and continue to improve the city and at the same time be a part of it. Uh, and you know, in, it, it may not sound major, uh, it may be a small part, but I think that this is a historic town. This is Atlantic City. And, uh, you know, I was able to serve for four years as executive director of the CRDA. Now I'm in the private sector. I want to be a part of its history as it recovers. It may be a small part on my part, um, but, uh, you know, to me, uh, things like that are, are interesting and fascinating uh, to be a part of something much larger that truly is historic. Great. Thank you so much, Matt. This has been fantastic. I uh, really appreciate your time. And I'm excited to see what you do in the city. I'm excited to see how the city changes. I, I hope that we can do a similar episode in like a year or two and look back and say like, oh, back in 2022, you know, this. <laughs> there were all those opportunities. All those opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, we will, uh, again, hopefully do this soon. For all of you listening, thank you so much for your continued support. Um if you listen to the podcast via a service where you can like or subscribe to us uh, and you can do that, we would really appreciate it. It helps us know who's listening and what people like to hear. Um, we've almost every week, I think Ryan or I or both of us hear from people that listen to the podcast with questions, thoughts about Atlantic City or real estate development in general. In fact, just met somebody today. This morning was a podcast listener uh, who wants to invest in Atlantic City, and we're super excited about that. So please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, my email address is john, J-O-H-N, at libertyhudson.com. And I'm Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at libertyhudson.com. Uh, until next time, thank you guys so much, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you again. Don't forget to visit us at brickxbrickrealestate.com for free content to help you along your real estate journey and to follow along on our projects. Subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcast app and engage with us online via Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and BrickXBrickRealEstate.com. See you next time on the Brick by Brick Podcast.